0: morning, everybody. Just bear with me while I get some of the technology stuff set up and hopefully working. I want to give a shout-out to Matt Meredith up in the uh, booth this morning. Yay, Matt. I mean, Matt has um, done yeoman's work and uh, chipping in and helping and learning, and so we so appreciate Matt. Um, also, Sh- Pastor Sean, uh, who worked with me to get the message loaded to our... Uh, message, our sermon software, and um, even though his family is quarantining and, you know, they're being safe, and they're well, by the way, um, you know, Pastor Sean was uh, willing to serve in the midst of everything going on, so I so appreciate him as well. Um, So let me see if I can get us to our starting point. Cool. All right. Just going (laughs) to... I guess I'm going to put this here. So, again, good morning. Uh, good to see everybody. This is a little bit of a nugget of a word that God has given me for our church this morning. Um, you know, when, when I began to receive this from the Lord, I tell you the truth when I tell you it was before we knew anything about what was happening this week, um, Tuesday, we sort of found out that, you know, Pastor and his family weren't, you know, feeling 100%, and then we were going to make some adjustments to the weekend coming, and, you know, I I have to admit, when I started to hear those things, I thought, all right, Lord, is that you putting this on my heart ahead of what you knew we needed to do this weekend? I really believe that to be the case. Um, So I'm going to jump into it, It's not a long message. Um, I hope it speaks to you like it absolutely spoke to me this morning. But we're going to dig in and then we'll pray in just a minute. But I call the message a contrary wind. A contrary wind. And Jim preached a really powerful message last week. I hope you were either here to see it or you heard it online about moving from degenerate to regenerated. Right? And that, you know, our Christian walk is to take us from the people we were, lost in our sin to the people of God, set on fire for him, alive, and serving him, and loving him, and loving other people. And I call this degenerate to regenerate to, the in-between stuff. What's in between those two sort of components of our walk? So we're going to dive in. But first of all, let's see how we're doing here with uh, the slide. We moved down to Cape Cod about five and a half years ago. And what we have come to learn since then is we live in a very windy place. And it's, it's all good. I mean, but sometimes, and we live in Centerville, probably two, two and a half miles from the, from the water. You know, it will be fairly calm. Then we get down to the, to the water and the breeze is significant. And it can be a 10, 12 degree difference in temperature, or at least it feels that way because it's so windy. And so since we've moved, we've experienced the wind of Cape Cod, and you probably remember 2019, we had a tornado here on Cape Cod, which is very unusual. But talk about a wind that came through. I remember at the time I was working from home. I do a lot of work from home. I was sitting at my kitchen. Uh, table, and it got really black. And I knew there was a storm coming, but I wasn't really aware of the significance of it. All of a sudden, I look outside our picture window, and I see our outdoor furniture and table just fly right off. I'm like, whoa, ran upstairs, got my son, down in the basement, we go. But, you know, it was a very damaging storm, right? And there was an intense wind, an intense wind. So it all sort of begins to beg the question, spiritually speaking, okay, so we take the natural hat off, let's put our spiritual hats on. As believers, especially those of us who have walked with God for many years, how do we handle the strong winds that come against us? Okay, so that's the question that I want us to explore a bit this morning, and so I just have an opening question For the folks here, and maybe if you're online, you could respond with a comment. But the opening question is, raise of hands, how many of you, and there's no judgment here, this is just information, how many of you have been born again serving God for 30 years or more? Okay. 20 years or more. (coughs) 10 years or more. Five years or more. Okay, interesting. I would suggest, based on the response here, that most of us would be considered what I call seasoned saints. Most of us. Most of us have walked with God for some number of years, right, since we began to believe. Okay, that's good to know. So we're going to set sail now. And see what God has for us. But I want to pray first, now that we've sort of set things up. So, let's just bow for a word of prayer. God, thank you for your word. And thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray that this morning, as we look into your word, that you would touch our hearts. That you would refresh our hearts and our minds. Help us, God, to hear what you have to say to us personally, individually, and as a church. Lord, you are so good. You are so good to us. We thank you for who you are and for what you are going to do in our service today. And we just give this time back to you in its entirety. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so some of the scriptures I had, I sort of took out and put some pictures in. I hope you're going to be okay with that, but I'm going to describe it. Do you remember when God first called you, your eyes were opened, And you made that decision to follow him. Do you remember that? Wind in our sails. On fire for God, a lot of people say. I can remember when I became a believer for the first time. God had been working in my life for many years. I've shared some of my testimony before. When I was a young person... We had a Christian babysitter come into our life to share the gospel at a time that I desperately needed to hear it. Very difficult uh, family situation at the time. Hopeless, very discouraged. She came right into the midst of it, shared Christ. But it was only years later when we began to have our own family, Nancy and I. My my daughter, our second child, Jessica, was born. And I began... Really pondering the things of God more deeply and pondering my own condition more deeply. And long story short, I made a decision for Christ. I turned my life over to Him. He opened my eyes to the truth of His Word. It was awesome. And boom, that was me. I was hitting a wave, I was in the air, I was telling people about Jesus, I was annoying multitudes of people with my enthusiasm, right? They wanted me to go away because we've heard enough about this Jesus. But there was no way I was going away. He had opened my eyes to the truth of his love and the truth through his word. And I needed other people to to know this. I certainly couldn't keep it to myself. And I'm sure to some extent you probably had a similar experience in your own way. But I was wind in my sails. Wind in my sails. And it was awesome. And it was a great period of time. But you know, those beginnings, which are wonderful, aren't meant to last us throughout our entire walk in life, in our Christian walk, or anything else. It's a start. It's a start. So, you know, born again, we found a great church, and we begin ministering what I call with Jesus. So we're getting into different ministries, we're learning, you know, we're sitting in on studies, we're learning about the kingdom of God, we're learning about who he really is, the multiple dimensions of our Lord, and it was a great time, and we're sort of in prep mode. But in terms of the message today and this is all pulled from the book of Mark and we're going to get there. But just so you know even these slides are representative of what you'll find in the book of Mark. When we hit some of the storms and when the wind started Jesus was with us in the boat. He was with us. We were young in our faith, right? We were sort of maturing. We didn't know what we didn't know. And so Jesus was with us and when those storms came he basically took over and that was a good thing by the way and calmed the seas and if you read mark mark is interesting in that you will find two references to storms and the disciples being out in those storms one's in chapter four one's in chapter six and we're going to get to the one in chapter six in a minute but the point is born again wind in my sails serving God, learning about God, and, and things are good, right? Things are good. And it God is good. Okay. So now, advancing forward. Advancing forward. Another show of hands question. How many have been on a missions trip? Missions trip. Okay, very cool. Very cool. About half, I would say. Maybe online, you could comment as well. But In the book of Mark, Jesus is seen commissioning the disciples and he basically says, go. Now you go. I'm empowering you, I'm touching you, I'm blessing you. Go heal the sick, go cast out demons, but you go. I'm staying here. And they did. Now, I'll tell you, if you haven't been on a missions trip, if you have that opportunity, I strongly encourage you to go on a missions trip away from the United States. We, um, I had an opportunity and went on one trip, and it was to Cape Town, South Africa. And what I want to tell you about that missions trip is that if you want to see the power of God and you embrace going on a missions trip, you will see the power of God. You will see the challenges of the devil because that's the last thing he wants is other people to know about Jesus. But you will see the power of God. I remember we, so there were about 30 of us from the church who were going on this missions trip. And we had a school bus. So the pastor said, hey, we're going to get in the bus and we're going to Logan, we'll get on a plane, fine. Two things happened that day. I've shared one from the pulpit before, but let me mention it. So I'm getting ready to go down to the bus. I go to my front door. It's locked from the inside and the lock is broken and I must physically remove the entire lock set from the door in order to leave the house so I'm like hmm that's unusual right that's unusual okay did that we get down we get on the bus we're going down route 2 if any of you are familiar with route 2 somebody says hey pastor you might want to look out the window There's smoke coming from the tires. Sure enough, there was... Tires were rubbing in a weird way against the axle, and they were sort of like almost on fire. So true to our pastor at the time, and I'll bet you Pastor Steve would be similar, knowing who he is. He's like, we've got 10 miles to go, and we're going to get there. We're not pulling over. We're not missing flights. And we did get there. And now to fast forward, the missions trip was tremendous, and we saw the power of God from the time we got on the plane, the people who sat next to us that didn't know Jesus, that was clear that we were supposed to tell them, to the time we ministered with the church in Cape Town, South Africa. One thing I want to call out here uh, about fear and missions, right? So, so here we are, 30 or so of us in Cape Town, South Africa, totally different place, beautiful, absolutely beautiful, But one of the things that we wanted to do was go minister to the people in the streets. And if you know anything about South Africa and certain parts of South Africa, it's extraordinarily poor. So people live in huts. There's no running water. There's no real sewer system of any kind. But God had impressed upon us all, that's where we're to go. That's where we're to go and share the love of Jesus. So that's what we did. Well, we're out the first day and, and sharing Christ and little children are coming to us because, you know, a bunch of Americans, sort of unusual. And one guy came forward and he was, um, had his head bowed, very contrite, and the lead pastor at the time ministered over him and shared Jesus with him. We all laid hands on him. And he committed to giving his life to Jesus right there, which was wonderful. So we get back to the place where we're staying. And long story short, somebody says to us, who's there, like a native of Cape Town, hey, do you know who that was? No. That was the lead of the gangs that run this entire area. And did you notice something that he had with him? We said no. He had a gun. It's like right on his pocket. We never noticed it. My point to you is this. God used all of that to minister to someone, gave us the peace of God as we did the work of God, right? And it was awesome. So here we are. We're, we're ministering. We're on a mission. Born again, learning about God, now on a missions trip. Awesome. Awesome. And I put up the multi-boats because you're sort of in it together on a missions trip, right? You're working together. It's iron sharpening iron sometimes. Kind of interesting. But seas were calm. Okay. Later in ministry, and this is the nugget of the message, a contrary wind. A contrary wind. And just for the sake of conversation, that picture happens to be a picture of Cape Cod Bay in the middle of that tornado. So it was a little rough, I think, would be fair to say. So let's look at Mark 6.45. And I'm going to Have a few slides to run through here that I'll read. So, immediately, this is after, by the way, little backdrop, they've just fed 5,000 in a miraculous feeding that the disciples were a part of. That's right on the heels of this. And then Jesus says this to them. Okay. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, who went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. Now this is, this is an amazing number of verses of scriptures and an amazing story for a number of reasons but one of the things that i find amazing is so here's the disciples they've been walking with jesus right they know who he is they know that he's the miracle worker they know that he's the healer right but what's interesting about this is that jesus has sent them out onto the sea by themselves he's not in the boat with them right So they're out on their own, and right on the heels of a miracle of feeding the 5,000, their hearts are hardened. How does this happen? How does this happen, right? And they were afraid. And by the way, they can't even really recognize Jesus as he's walking there. They think he's a ghost, right? So what is this thing called a contrary wind? If you look in the King James Version, that's where this, the, the wording a contrary wind comes from. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary against them. And contrary is, it, you all probably know what it means, but just for clarity, it's opposed, it's adversarial, hostile, antagonistic. Something that's an opponent, right? So this is something that's come against. And spiritually, if you think about it now. So again, natural world, now put our spiritual eyes and ears on. The wind represents something strong that comes against us to impede our walk towards Christ. And it's something that we can't overcome in our own strength, no matter how hard we try and who that's been a christian a long time would say i've tried that i've tried i, I i've been there i've rowed against the current how do you know you're in a contrary wind so i find this interesting right so the spiritual battle's getting tougher it's harder and you're getting tired of quote unquote rowing against the current Jesus isn't here yet. I'm not sure he's ever coming. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And you know what? We're only four miles offshore. Let's just let the wind blow us right back. Right? That's easier. And, you know, I'm close. I'm close. Really, there's a few other signs, but... When we're struggling to see or find Jesus in the midst of our life circumstances, whatever they are, and trust that he's still going to get into the boat, right? Sometimes, I know for myself, right, we feel like we're going it alone. We, even if it's a thing that we're doing for God. We're, I got to do this because nobody else would do it. And, right, we, and it's hard Who said that the Christian life was supposed to be easy? I've had to learn that. It's hard. It's hard. And sometimes we lose track of it. What also happens, right, and this happened as we saw in the passage, our thoughts and our our senses become wrapped around fear instead of faith. Now, What's interesting about this one, if you read the first uh, encounter that Jesus had with the disciples on the the lake, it's in chapter 4. I'm sorry, I don't remember offhand, but I can get it for you. Uh, Jesus was asleep in the the stern of the boat. So he was with them, but he was asleep. And they were like, beside themselves, aren't you afraid that we're going to drown? And Jesus came, comes and says, be still, ye of little faith, right, and don't we forget sometimes, and we get wrapped up in, I have to do this, it's me, it's us, it's, and we sort of forget that God is front and center, right, in everything, and we hey, by the way, right, all candor, and I've been here, when we realize, or we think that it's on us, we get afraid, because we know what we're capable of and what we're not capable of. And it's, it's enough to bring fear into you. I know what I can't do. I know what I can't accomplish. And when I think I'm the one that has to do it all, that's fearful. Rather than trusting the one who called me from the beginning, ministered with me, taught me about himself, showed me the miracles, made me part of his life, right? Right? And I just spoke to this, right? There's a a sign that you're battling a contrary wind is when you're depending on your own strength. And the disciples were. They're rowing, right? So I give them credit. They're rowing, but they're losing sight of the big picture. Okay. So here's, and by the way, there's not a lot more to this message this morning. It's a nugget, but I hope you're receiving it. What do you do when you find yourself in a contrary wind? And as a believer, even if you're a young believer here today or listening online, you will come up against a contrary wind. What was presented as the word and what the experience of the disciples will translate to your own walk at some point. The first thing on the list is pray. Now, I often wonder to myself, when Jesus sent them on the lake and he said, I'm going to pray. Was that like a little test? Was that a little test? Were they going to ask him, like, Jesus, before we go, can we join you? Can we pray too? How many times do we just go do something? And I'm guilty of this. Please don't misunderstand me. But we don't pray about it first. And then things happen, right? And we're not sort of in in the spirit, And things can unravel quickly. So if you're coming up against one of these contrary winds, pray first. And then clearly, seek Jesus in the midst of whatever is going on, because he's there. Just like he was there for the disciples. They weren't really looking for him, but he was right there. And in fact, the verse says he was getting ready to pass by them. Can you imagine that? They're rowing and straining. We're rowing and straining. Jesus is there, we're not seeing him, but he's there. So we have to have faith that he's there and and continue to seek him. Keep rowing while you're waiting. So this I have to give the disciples credit for. They kept rowing. It had to be extraordinarily tiring, right? But they kept rowing. Keep rowing. And as you row, don't row alone. How many have Rowed a boat by themselves, like literally with an oar. It's one of the more tiring things that you can attempt to do, right? And when you're tired, there's nobody to turn to. Nobody can pick up the rowing for you. So spiritually, don't row alone. Ask for more faith, right? We see that in scripture. I think Jim mentioned this last week. It's okay to be honest with God and put your heart before him. Say, Lord, I don't have the kind of faith I need. I don't have the kind of faith I need to be doing what you've called me to do. God answers prayers like that from a humble heart. So don't be afraid to ask him. And don't be afraid to ask him for a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's by his power that we carry out the work of God, not by our own. And every so often, we need to ask God, Lord, bless me, please, with an infilling of your Holy Spirit afresh so I can carry on and do the work of God. It's another prayer he will answer for sure. And as, again, just a couple more slides here, remember what he's done in your life. Think about your testimony. And I know even as a leadership team, we've talked about testimonies and how important they are and trying to reintroduce some of that into our Sunday services, so stay tuned for some of that. But, you know, as much as I've had my experience with God, each and every one of you have too. Draw from that. Draw from that. And then the last one I put here is around a personal, what I call, go-to set of scriptures. The word of God is extraordinarily powerful and will lift you up in your times of need if you're battling a contrary wind. Now, I'm going to show you what my personal go-to scripture is, but there are many others, and I'm sure you're thinking of yours right now. We have, um, I've mentioned this before, we have uh, a young adult son that lives with us who's on the autism spectrum. His name is Joshua. He, he's a wonderful young man He um, just turned 27 on Friday, as a matter of fact, which is a blessing because years ago, and I've shared some of this, he was diagnosed with a spinal cord tumor on top of his autism diagnosis. And to tell you that there was a contrary wind when autism and cancer and all that comes together would be the understatement of the century. (laughs) It was tough. God is good. He went through chemotherapy. He's been healthy and free of all that now for, gee, you know, the better part of at least 15 years and probably longer. But this is the scripture God gave me. We were, my wife Nancy and I, were co-leading the 40 Days of Purpose campaign that our church was doing at the time. Some of you may have participated in one of those. Really was very, very good. Even now, if you're struggling with your purpose as a Christian, it's a great book because it's all about God. It's all about God. It's all about how he's designed you. And it's all about the spiritual gifts he's given you to serve him. But anyway, we were leading that campaign and I was on my way because we were having like our kickoff event. And I remember it even clearly now. I was on the road in my car and God just popped this scripture into my head. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. If we can, for me, I'll just throw it out there to you, if we can embrace that, those contrary winds begin to settle down. We realize that God, is going to bring something good out of the difficulties that we're experiencing, even if it doesn't seem that way. And he does. Now, I want to be careful to say, he doesn't say in the word that all things are good. But he does say, he will bring the good out of it. So, Just share that as an example of a scripture that when I'm battling something, it's difficult. Romans 8.28 pops into my mind. There's good to come of this. Remember that. And if you begin looking for it, you start to see it. Think of the last year that we've been through, right? It's been difficult, hasn't it? It's the understatement of the century probably with COVID, the lockdowns, the changes in service, the changes in our lives, the shutting down of businesses, the, you know, the, the, the political climate that the whole thing was enveloped in. It was extremely difficult. But God is still bringing good out of it. He's bringing good out of it for the people that call him Lord and Savior. And if you think about some of those things, it probably will come to mind, right? Sometimes, this is trite, but, you know, when something until something's taken away, you don't really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can tell you, in terms of freedom and relationship, like not being able to hug people. Somebody, Jim, did you bring it up, or Ben, about, you know, not long ago, we, we took part of the service and we were like hugging each other and, you know, hey, how are you doing? How's your family? We miss seeing you. Let's get together. All that sort of was necessary to go away. But now, how much do we appreciate that? God has opened my eyes to, hey, let's get back there as soon as we can, right? And, and we see that things are, are moving in that direction. So, so anyway, um, I hope you have a go-to scripture. And if not, ask God for one. And open the word of God and see what he reveals to you. So I've just got a couple of other things we're going to wind down this morning. It was just a nugget. I hope that so far you've gleaned something. But all of this in my heart started when I personally got an online message from somebody I don't know that got me thinking in a major way. And I received it for me, personally. But at the same time, right from the beginning, I felt that this, what I'm about to share, is also meant for somebody here. Whether that's somebody here in person with us this morning or online, I don't know, maybe both. But I'm going to read it. And then we're going to watch a video and then we're going to close, okay? So here's the message that I got. And this is from somebody in a ministry called Ephesians 416 Ministries. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus sent his disciples to go to the other side of the sea. He went to pray while they struggled most of the night against a contrary wind. He came walking to them on the sea, and when he got in the boat, the wind ceased. They were greatly amazed. But verse 52 says the reason they were amazed is because they had not understood about the loaves and because their hearts were hardened. They had just seen a great miracle, and in deliverance from their crisis, they were greatly amazed. It is possible, church, to have miracles happening all around you and not believe God will deliver you because your heart is hardened. Jesus will not send you somewhere he does not intend to go. Someone, I was one of the someones, by the way, someone who will read this today has tried to do what God told them to do, but they have been battling a contrary wind. You've become weary and discouraged Remember those times in the past when God moved on your behalf. Though you you are straining hard at the oars, don't give up and don't be surprised because Jesus is about to get in the boat. Don't we need that encouragement today? We need Jesus to get in the boat, and He will. He's there already. We just need to invite him to come and get out of the way.